Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. Have you ever wondered why Christianity was able to spread so quickly? Uh, you know, the, how did this little band of misfits, you know, the, the, the 12 disciples, they were made up of fishermen, there was a tax collector, there was a guy who by today's definition would be a terrorist, he was a, a revolutionary. Uh, it was this hodgepodge mix of not very remarkable people uh, that, that Jesus chose to be his followers. And how, how did this, this little band of, of mess-ups end up expanding into a, a global faith? Well, in a word, the resurrection. You know, that, that is what changed everything. You know, Jesus said, I'm going to come to earth and I, I'm going to die for the sins of all humanity. And then after three days, I'm going to, to rise again. I, I'm going to come back to life. Now, the resurrection turned these first followers of Christ from being this, this group of miserable, depressed, disheartened uh, mess-ups, and, and they became courageous. They became bold. Uh, they, they were filled with hope. And, and they began to spread the message of, of hope everywhere because when they saw that Jesus had come back to life, it changed them. It, it changed everything about them. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to give you the same insights, the, the same understanding that they had. You know, I, I want to look at, there, there are a lot of reasons, but there, I'm going to focus in on six different reasons why the followers of, of Jesus Christ have every reason to be filled with hope and to be filled with enthusiasm and, and filled with, with determination because of what Jesus did by rising from the dead. The first reason that, that we have hope is because we have been forgiven of every sin, every failure, every mess up that we will ever have or ever will commit. You know, Jesus repeatedly said over and over again, I'm going to die on the cross for your sins. And then I'm going to rise again after three days. Understand that if, again, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, his dying on the cross doesn't mean a thing. I mean, the Romans put thousands of people on the cross over the years, maybe even hundreds of thousands and, and so if Jesus didn't come back to life, then he's no different than all of those other people that got crucified. You know, the truth is, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, uh, we're really dumb for sitting here right now. You know, just just being quite honest. The Bible says in Ephesians one, verse seven, in Christ, we are set free by the blood of his death. 
And so we have forgiveness of sins because of God's rich grace. Now, we are all imperfect. You know, we all have sin. We have all done wrong. And when I use the word sin throughout my message this morning, it means that anything that we do, anything we say, anything we think that is not in perfect alignment with God. So you can see that the standard is incredibly high. We are all sinners. I am a sinner. And because God is holy and because God is perfect, all human beings are separated, are estranged from God because we are all sinful. Now, he doesn't want you to be separated from him. He, he loves you. You matter to, to, to God. The whole reason Jesus died on the cross was so that we, you and I, can, can be free from the guilt and, and the, the, the damnation, if you will, of sin. And, and what God wants is he wants a close personal relationship with each and every human being. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, beginning with verse 6, it says, All of us, like sheep, have gone away, straight away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him, and that would be Jesus, the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, and he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. He was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He has done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan prosper in his hands. Now this scripture that I just read was prophesied 700 years before Jesus ever came to the earth. You know, it was Isaiah lived 700 years before, and he predicted exactly what was going to happen to Jesus. Jesus, by another term, is the Messiah, or the Greek word for Messiah is Christ. You know, you hear Jesus Christ. Well, that's just basically saying Jesus Christ. God's son, Jesus, the Messiah. And it happened exactly the way as I, Isaiah prophesied it. It was God's plan that Jesus go to the cross and die for our sins. It was God's plan because you and I need saving. We can't fix ourselves. You know, if, if, if none of us had ever sinned, Jesus wouldn't have had needed to go to the cross. But all of us have sinned. 
The, in the Bible, in Roman, the book of Romans, chapter 4, verse 25, it says, Jesus was handed over to die because of our sins. He was raised from the dead to make us right with God. Notice that. It's our sin and to make us right. God did this for you. He did this for each of us. This is what Easter is all about. Jesus died and then raised from the dead so that we might be right with God. Who's included? Us, me, you, everybody is included. Now, the second reason Jesus' resurrection gives us hope is we no longer need to fear death. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, one of the things that he did was he broke the power of death. Let me explain that. When Jesus came back from the dead, he demonstrated that, that death no longer holds him. It no longer applies to him. In, in John 11, verse 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though they die, they will live again. You know, again, if Jesus hadn't resurrected from the dead, we're all helpless and we are all hopeless. You know, after Jesus died, the, the 12 disciples, they're scared to death. Jesus gets crucified and they all go into hiding. They're all hiding together. None of them are thinking about resurrection. They're just trying to save their own skin. They're scared to death that the Romans are going to come kick their door down at any moment and that they're going to wind up on a cross. And so they are huddled in hiding for the, the three days that Jesus is in the tomb. And on, on Sunday, uh, one of the women that was a follower of Jesus decides that it's time to go and she's going to go to the grave. And when she gets to the grave, she finds the, the tomb is empty. The, the stone is rolled away. There's nobody there guarding the tomb or anything. And she's thinking, oh, great, the body has been stolen. And, and that's a logical conclusion. But as she's standing there, she hears a voice behind her. And when she turns around, there stands the risen Jesus. And Jesus tells her, hey, Mary, it's me. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to go back to the house where the disciples are all hiding and tell them that I'm coming to talk to them, that I'm going to be there to see them. And so she goes back and she bangs on the door. They let her in. And you know what these great men of faith did? They didn't believe her. They said, nah, you got to be nuts. He's, he, he didn't rise from the dead. And so these guys, none of Jesus's followers are thinking resurrection. None of them are believing that. They're hiding for their lives. Now, honestly, if, if you had seen someone die and they had been buried for three days and then all of a sudden they're walking around, that might have an impact on you, right? That, that, might, that might get your attention. Well, when Jesus 
comes and appears to these disciples, they go from being uh, this scared bunch of, of mess ups to individuals who are on fire, who are who are moving about. They are they are filled with with passion. They're filled with with focus. They they're all about telling people that Jesus rose from the dead because they saw it themselves. Peter wrote it this way, when we told you about the powerful coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, we were not telling made-up stories that someone invented. Rather, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. You know, not only the 12 disciples, but after Jesus rose from the dead, he hung around for 40 days and the Bible tells us that, that he appeared to people all over. For 40 days, he's moving around. He's, he's literally encountering and talking to all kinds of different people. That's why the explosion of the faith took place. You know, in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, it says, For 40 days after his death, Jesus appeared to people many times in many ways that proved beyond a doubt that he was alive. They saw him. They talked with him. They, 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 they learned about the kingdom of God. The apostle Paul was one of the individuals who experienced the resurrected Jesus in 1 Corinthians 15. And this is kind of a summary. It says that Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said, and he was buried and then he was raised from the dead on the third day. Then it says he was seen by Peter, and then he was seen by the 12 apostles. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, of whom some of them, when Paul was writing this, were still alive. They, they were still able to say, yeah, I was there. I saw him. You know, and then Paul says, and then he came and appeared to me too. This is why the first century church exploded because there were all of these people who saw Jesus after he rose from the dead. You know, it, it exploded all over the Roman empire because of the, the resurrection, because there were so many eyewitnesses. Now, the third reason we have hope is because we can now have God's spirit living within us. You know, the night before Jesus went to the cross, Jesus says, now listen up, guys, you need to understand, I'm going to be leaving you. I, I'm going to the cross, but I'm going to go to heaven. And when I go to heaven, I'm going to send my spirit to dwell in each of you. So at the end of the 40 days, Jesus ascends back up into heaven. And, and, and again, he tells his disciples, now what I want you guys to do is I want you to stay together. I want you to pray. I want you to be waiting. And when the time is right, I'm going to send my spirit on you. And then in Acts 1.8, it says, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power and you will tell people everywhere about me in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They had seen Jesus face to face. And then he says, I'm going to fill you with my spirit. 
So now they've gone from these fearful guys who can't seem to get, get themselves going in the right direction to fearless individuals. They've seen Jesus alive. He is who he said he is. He is God. And then he tells them, I'm going to place my spirit within each of you. Do you understand that God never intended for you to go through life just on your own, where, where you have to, to make it all happen yourself. God wants to have a personal connection with each and every one of you. He wants to put his spirit in your life. He wants to put his love, his power in, into each and every one of us. And his spirit will guide you so that you can live the correct way, that you can live in a way that brings honor to God. Now, that, here, here's the amazing thing. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that he wants to place in your life. That's a reason to be excited. In Ephesians chapter one, it says, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe in him. It is the same mighty power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And what's this power? It's the power of God's spirit in your life. Well, you're saying, well, what, what does that mean to me? If God can raise dead Jesus, he can raise a dead marriage. If God can raise a dead person, he can raise your dead life. That's what that means. God can do anything in your life if you will let him. And what is the power? It's the power to change. It's the power to overcome the sin that all of us has in our life. It's the, the power to overcome addictions. It's the power to overcome habits. It's, it's the power to overcome issues that, that dog each and every one of our lives. Now, the fourth reason that we have hope is because God will never stop loving you. Jeremiah 31.3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Did you know that? Did you know that God loves you? God has never made a single individual that he does not love. God loves you. And true biblical Christianity is a message of hope and it's a message of love. You know, and God didn't wait for you or me to come around and say, okay, I think I'm ready to start loving you. God loved you first. You know, in the most famous verse in all of the Bible, John 3, 16 and, and 17 says, God so loved the world. That, that means us, the people that he gave his one and only son. That's Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Do you notice what's implied in that verse? Jesus came to save us. And you say, oh, wait, save us from what? 
Well, we are separated from God. Every single human being on the face of the planet is separated from God because we are all sinful. And the only way that we can correct that is to accept Jesus as your sacrifice, as your Savior. That's what he went to the cross to do. You, if you don't accept Jesus as the sacrifice for your sin, you are going to spend eternity separated from God. God wants you to know his love. You know, when, when God's love hits your heart, it changes you. It, it, it makes you a different person. And maybe you're sitting here saying, well, sure, I know God. Kind of like, you know, George Washington or, you know, Abraham Lincoln. That's, that's not what I'm talking about here. If you think you know God, has your life been radically changed? Because God cannot come into a life and there not be a dynamic change take place. Because when, when God enters your life, it can't help but change you. You know, when, when God's love comes into your life, it changes the way you think. It changes the way you live. It changes the way you act. Jesus said in John 13, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That's the kind of thing that God does when he comes into a life. You become capable of even loving your enemies. You know, when people continue to act like they've always act, then God hasn't come into that person's life. It doesn't matter whether you pray a prayer or whether you get baptized or whether you join a church, all of that stuff, you know, th those are great, but that doesn't change. When God comes into a life, there is change that takes place. Now, the fifth reason why the resurrection gives us hope is we know the purpose that we're created for. Most people don't have the slightest idea what the purpose of their life is. This may come as a shock, but being successful is not the purpose of life. You know, you can have a success. You can have success without having purpose. Significance value comes from knowing the purpose of your life and living for that purpose. You know, why am I here? What, what, why do I exist? Why, why do I have, have this life that I have? What is the meaning of my life? You know, you can fill your life with all kinds of, of stuff, you know, possessions and, and pleasures, useless stuff, but that's not your purpose. We all have a, a God-sized hole in our lives. And when you know your purpose, that, that, that hole is filled with God. 
But when you don't know your purpose, you know what we end up doing? We, we fill our life with the pursuit of money. Uh, we fill our life with sex. We fill our life with trying to be better and, and achieve. We, we fill our life with, with all of the stuff that the world says matters. But the thing is, is we're still empty. We're still saying there, there's something not right here. Now, I, I don't have time today to, to go into this, but I, um, just as a little tickler to get you to come back next week, I'm going to preach on understanding your purpose in life. But for today, let me just quickly explain a, a couple of things so that we can understand our purpose just, just for this, this message. God always acts in love toward you. Everything he does, because he's perfect, everything he does is motivated by love. He loves you and he cares about you and he made you to have a good, valuable purpose for your life. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God's purpose for your life is a good plan. It's not a bad thing. You know, God's not trying to sell you a junk or used car. He is the God of the universe. And he's saying, I have exquisite beauty planned for you. If you will just follow my lead. Jesus said in John 10, 10, my purpose is to give you life in all its fullness. You know, you're not living until you are connected to God. The truth is, and please hear me very carefully, spiritually speaking, until you are connected to God through Jesus Christ, you are spiritually dead. It doesn't matter if you're religious if Christ has not come alive in your life, if he has not put your, his Holy Spirit into your life, you are spiritually dead. God wants to give you life. He wants to give you abundant life. In Romans 8, 28, the Bible says, we know that in all things, God works for the good. Now catch this, for, of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. When you're living for the purpose that God placed you here, God's going to say, I'm going to bring good even out of the bad that happens in your life. I'm going to take the dumb stuff that we, that you do. I'm going to take the mistakes that you've made. I'm going to take even the sin that you have done, and I'm going to use it for good. I'm going to turn every bad situation into a right situation. I'll work it out for good in your life. Now, here's the sixth reason that we have hope, because we have an eternal home waiting for us. You know, as followers of Jesus, death is not the end. You know, we, we need to understand that it is a transition to a better life. The Apostle Paul said it this way, yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. Understand this. 
you're going to spend a lot more time on that side of eternity than you are on this side of eternity. In this life, we, we're going to live to what, 70, 80? You know, if you're really doing good, you, you reach 100. But that's it. Everyone will live for eternity. The question is, where? This is important for us to understand. For those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, for those who have God's spirit living within them, they will for trillions upon trillions upon trillions of years spend it in the presence of God. For those people who don't want anything to do with God, who say, eh, I, I'm not interested. I want to live my own life. I don't want God interfering in my life. They will spend trillions upon trillions upon trillions of years isolated, disconnected from God. The reason hell is hell is because God is not there. We need to understand the consequences of our decision. Well, what is heaven going to be like? It is indescribable. We can't begin to fully fathom how wonderful heaven is. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be amazing. You know, imagine what a perfect place is going to be like with, with all the sights, the sounds, the colors, the smells. Um, you know, it's absolute perfection. You know, the problem with us is most of our concept of heaven is based off of watching television or movies. And have you ever noticed they always make heaven just white? How boring is that? I, you know, there are colors there that we have never experienced. There are sights and sounds and smells. You know, to, to think of heaven as just something white? No thanks. You know, that, that's not heaven. In 1 Corinthians 2, Paul wrote, No eye has ever seen, nor ear ever heard, no mind has ever imagined the wonderful things that God has prepared for those who love Him. Notice that though, for those who love Him. You have to have a relationship with God to experience heaven. Now this is why the resurrection gives us hope. These six reasons... And my prayer for you is that you would, you would have the confidence that, that you, you know, if you were to die today, that you would be certain that you're going to heaven. You know, I hope so isn't a good answer. You know, if God were to say to you, why, why should I let you into heaven? How do you, how do you answer that? You know, I tried to be a good person, you know, trying we are not perfect. Heaven is perfection. The only way to get into heaven is because of the blood of Jesus Christ covers our sin. God accepts Jesus as the sacrifice. So in order to go to heaven, you have to go through Jesus Christ, period. There, there is no option B. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father, in other words, to God, except through me. You know, my prayer is that you will simply 
understand that, you know, that, that today, maybe for the first time in your life, you will have the clarity to understand this is the way, the path to heaven. You know, thousands of years before you were born, God knew that on Easter Sunday, 2022, you'd be sitting on a pew in Park Baptist Church in Brookfield, Missouri. And what I think he would say to you is, I have known everything about you and I love you and I want you to know me, to have that personal connection to me. That's why Jesus died on the cross so that you would know him personally. And what I'd, I'd, I'd like for us to do this morning is to, to pray a prayer. Now, the thing about this is this prayer, it's words. That's all it is. What matters is the attitude of your heart. When we come to God if we are committed, if it, God knows our heart better than even we do. And so I, if you read this prayer with me that we're going to have here in just a second and you mean it, then it means everything in the world. Because what you're doing is you are asking God to come into your life. You're asking God to, to begin that relationship with you that you don't have right now. But if all you do is read the words and say, yeah, well, whatever, then that's all that it is, is it's, yeah, well, whatever. It, it doesn't mean a thing. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask everyone in this room to, to read along with me as, as we read this, this prayer together. And again, if, if it doesn't mean anything to you, okay. But if you're really, truly committing your life to Christ, it means everything. Let's read this together. Dear God, to the best of my understanding, today I accept all that Jesus did for me on the cross. Thank you for giving everything I've done wrong. I turn away from my old life of sin. I give myself to you. Thank you that I don't have to fear death. Please put your spirit of love and power in me. Thank you that you never will stop loving me. I want to live for the purpose that you created me for. I trust you to take me to heaven when I die. Amen. Now again, if you didn't mean that, then it didn't mean anything. But if you sincerely meant that, it's a big deal. This is called the moment of your salvation. This is when the process of walking with God begins. And if you just meant that, then I say congratulations to you. You just join the family of God. Now, I'm going to have a time of invitation. And what I would like to do is invite you to respond. Um, if you just prayed that prayer and you meant it, you need to tell somebody you're with. You know, turn to the person next to you and say, I just prayed that prayer and I meant it. But if you... Um, you know, didn't mean it, then don't say that, please. But we're, I'm going to stand down front here. And if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I would love to know. I would love for you to come down and tell me. Please stand. Dear Jesus, I ask now that you just give each and every one of us the strength 
of resolve, the strength of commitment. I pray that your Holy Spirit will take, take hold in each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.